Rob Bradford has been one of the most credible Red Sox reporters for quite some time. He is the current host of the Bradford Show and Red Sox writer for WEEI. But we had the opportunity to speak with Rob on this episode of the Locked On Red Sox podcast. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into Locked On Red Sox podcast, and thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Massachusetts Pirates team insider, Jake Inzuski, and we have yet again a great interview set up today. We are speaking with the host of the Bradford Show and Red Sox writer for WEI, Rob Bradford. Rob has been one of the most credible Red Sox reporters for quite some time and has had past experience being a Red Sox beat writer for Boston Herald, Eager Tribune, and has also written for Lowell Sun. But as I just mentioned, he now contributes to WEEI and has had the opportunity to speak with so many Red Sox players throughout this tough season, as well as had the opportunity to interview Heim Bloom and Xander Bogarts prior to the season coming to an end. So we spoke with Rob about his journey, as well as what are his thoughts for the Red Sox going into this offseason, as well as much, much more. But I hope you enjoy my conversation with Rob Bradford. We are here with the host of the Bradfro Show and Red Sox writer for WEI, Rob Bradford. So, Rob, especially with all the years that you've had covering this team, where does this rank in the most interesting ones? Uh, interesting? I don't know, interesting, but certainly. <laughs> all, here's the thing that, that they're all like, they're all different. And you go back, you know, I can rattle off a year and I can, you know, say, hey, you know, this was. I remember this, 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 and this. You know, for instance, 2012 was a disaster, right? But I can give you more stories from that year than any other year, probably that we had. And so, for so this one, it was it was interesting. I think, really, honestly, this the off season is going to be one of the most interesting that we have in a long, long time. And I've heard I've heard people with the team say that. I've heard people outside the team say this. You know, whether or not it, it could be one of these things where they have a ton of money and they don't spend it. They have a ton of money. They do spend it, whatever it is, but we don't see too many fork in a road off seasons like this. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. I, I think it's huge for Heim Bloom's career with the Red Sox. I mean, he has some big decisions to make for the, for the future of this team. Obviously, Xander Bogars, Rafael Devers. But, you know, when we had Coupon a few days ago, you know, he sort of mentioned that Xander gave a tiny bit of a smirk when he mentioned about, you know, uh, speaking with the owners Coop and did stuff. did a good job, man. Uh, yeah, first of all, excellent podcast with Coop. And uh, it was, yeah, when we were doing that, <laughs> he was – you know, Coop was filming him just at that time, and I didn't notice it because we were we had like a, a time limit with Xander, and he and so we we as Coop said in the podcast, we, you know, we had talked about this stuff. I had talked to him a week before. Hey, you know, have they talked to you? Blah blah blah. So we had to get through it. So just hey, yes or no, yes or no, and so we asked him, uh, "Have you talked to them about a contract?" And he's like, "No," but Coop zoomed in on his face it was so classic <laughs> it was so, so great it was like it's such a side eye uh yeah so but yeah i mean 
listen, I mean, there, there's a lot. We can pick through a lot of this stuff, but is the, I don't know if they've had this many um, things that they've had to address at such a high level. Sure, you lose a guy here and there, but in terms of big ticket items, small ticket items, meat and potatoes of a, of a roster, mm-hmm. I mean, nothing like this. I mean, especially also some some of the new like young guys like Tristan Cassis, you know, also John Schreiber coming to the scene, and you know, you you've had the opportunity to speak with both of those guys, and um, mm. especially with with being able to learn more about their journeys and that sort of stuff. Uh, how cool was it to be able to see them flourish this season? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that you know, every season has different personalities, right? Every clubhouse has different personalities. We get to know a lot of like I didn't know Schreiber. I went. I was at the entire almost the entire spring training. I didn't talk to John Schreiber once because you know we're like, well, we end up in Worcester. He's he's re-signing as a rookie as a as a free agent, um, and he's not really on the radar. And so that that was no fault of his. It's my more fault of mine. But you know, as you these guys get called up and as they get onto the scene, you get to know them a little bit. And, and that's the that's the kind of cool part. I mean, Zach Kelly, another guy. Zach Kelly, like, oh, you know, until he got called up. Well, you know, I didn't know him at all. But then we did a podcast with him, and he's got a great personality. Even Tristan Casas, I, I knew him a little bit. I'd done a podcast with him years ago when I like his second professional year. But it was it wasn't it wasn't anything great. It was certainly didn't show his personality. But now we get a chance to sit with him and get to know him a little bit and get to know sort of his personality, which is honestly, it's not what I expected. It's not what I think a lot of people expected. He's a very unique guy. The best way that I can explain is gives answers that you don't expect that he's going to give. And, and for someone interviewing, that's the best, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's the best type of guy. So I look forward to talking with him more. Um, But yeah, so a lot of every year you get to know some of these new guys and really what happens is that you might not get to know him immediately in that first year, and it might take a year, and then you get to know him really, really well. I mean, I remember, um, you know, Joe Kelly, who, you know, I just did a book with and, and it became pretty close with. I mean, the fact that I remember when he was traded to the Red Sox in 2014, that, that last couple of months, I don't think I talked to him once. The first time that legitimately talked to him, Mike Minansky and I were doing a podcast at Foxwood, or not a podcast, a radio show at Foxwoods at Winter Weekend, and he comes up out of the blue and predicts he's going to win the Cy Young. Like <laughs> I had no idea. Like I never talked. I had no idea he was had that personality. I had no idea. But uh, but that's the thing is that you get to know these guys a little bit better as it goes along, and, and uh, I think for the most part, it's a pretty good group. Yeah, that that's this is my first year being uh, like a media member in in Worcester and in Portland as well, and that that was the coolest thing is learning about these guys outside of the game. Like Jaron Duran likes comic books. Like Connor Seabold does these incredible drawings, and uh, especially Cassis as well. You know, that's something that you know when Coop was on, he he mentioned you know after after the interview he was like I, I was surprised you know it wasn't more serious you know we i was actually able to talk like a guy and not have to button up my answers or anything like that and uh, that's something when, when i interviewed him he, he just gave you so much good stuff to be able to follow up on and as you mentioned as an interviewer that's all you're really asking for yeah i mean listen i mean the best interviews is are, you know this is the best interviews are one this is one of the great things about podcasting is that you just sit down and you talk. It's not an interview. You're just talking. 
And um, and I think that that's what Casas was talking about a little bit. Like we're we're goofing around, we're talking, you know, we're sure we're, we'll get to the the meat and potatoes of if there's a serious topic, fine, much like Bogarts or anything like that. I mean, honestly, Iggy, the, the thing is, is that um, you know, like my biggest challenge or my biggest test this year was when I sat down with Heim Bloom, and you know, obviously I'd interviewed Heim before, and a lot, you know, we had all interviewed Heim. He's been on the radio before a ton of times, but you're sitting down with him for probably a good chunk of time. It ended up being an hour and you know, there's a lot to get to and you know, you have to get answers and you know, there are topics you have to hit. But if you ask him in a way that it becomes like you're checking off boxes and then he gets in the mode of these long winded answers um, that aren't really saying anything right. and you're like, Oh man, it's, it beats you down. So you got to get them in a somewhat conversational mood or mode. And, and, um, and I think, you know, I think we did that. I think it, we did that as, as best it could. I, like I enjoyed sitting down with them, but that's what I love about podcasting. Like that's what I love more than, um, more than, you know, a lot of these interviews is that as long as you have the time, the person has the time, it just becomes a conversation, right? Right. And I, that's why I really enjoyed your interview with him. And, uh, you you know, you you weren't just so focused on, you know, everything that, you know, every Red Sox fan wants to know about this season. And, you know, also sort of like the get you questions as well. That's one of the biggest things, especially now being now working in sports media is you know, those sort of questions of, you know, that you're just searching for that clickbait question. But um, especially, you know, dur during that hour of you speaking with Haim, what was sort of your biggest takeaway from that specific interview? Well, yeah, first of all, it's like, you know, you go into that and you know you're going to have to, if you don't ask like the, the, the questions that you're, you've been really criticizing or I've been criticizing them for, then mm -hmm. I'm not doing my job. So yeah. you have to ask them that and you have to ask them that in a fair way. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. there's things like there's things that like, I was genuinely curious about, for instance, um, you know, some stuff with Rafael Devers and, and Xander Bogus. I mean, to answer your question, the two things that undoubtedly jumped out to me was number one, his answer about, do you value all the off the field stuff at Xander Bogarts? Because the perception is you are setting a price on him. And that is that, and it's very cold hearted and they don't, you don't really care about the captaincy or the, the how the fans feel or, or the clubhouse or any of that. And the line, which I've cited a million times since was like, he said to the effect of, well, you know, yeah, of course we do, because he's going to his 30s, and if he wasn't that way, he would be getting up, be, he'd be kicked off, kicked, kicked off the bus automatically. Right. Kicked off the bus, obviously saying that they wouldn't have any interest in signing him. Um, so it was that, and then, you know, when I asked him about, hey, this lines up with Rafael Devers the same as it did with Mookie Betts, which it does, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it does. It, you're going into a contract year, you're going to that offseason with Mookie. You know, this is the offseason that Heim took over. He got to January, February, figured out whether or not they were going to be able to sign Mookie Betts. They weren't going to be able to, and they made the trade for what they thought was a good deal. So how is that any different than Devers? And the answer yeah. he gave, well, I hadn't heard before, which was, well, we're in a better spot now where if you, if you do that deal, in other words, you do the $300 million deal, you better have – a really good farm system. The Dodgers mm -hmm. had the farm system. We didn't. 
That's why we didn't feel comfortable in going to the lengths the Dodgers did. Now we feel like we're more in a better position to do that. So, I mean, I don't know how you come away from that and don't think a little bit more optimistically about signing Devers. So, yeah, I mean, so if you, you talk about the two things, those are the two things. And, you know, it, it was nice, obviously, to hear during the the after end of the season press conference when he spoke about that, you know, they're not interested in trading Devers and, you know, that that the bogey deal is the number one priority. But um, it, it's, it's also been really remarkable to see how he's been able to build up this farm system. And, you know, especially especially with, with you covering the team for, for a good amount of time, you know, does it does it remind you of any sort of the the past times of of the Red Sox trying to build up for the future and and really try and contend and make a run? We don't know. I mean, that's the thing. And I'm sorry, you know, I'm cynical when it comes to this stuff. Is that I know it's easy, and I know it's an easy narrative to be like, oh my goodness, like it's crazy. Like I'll look at the talent and look at the, where they're ranked in the MLB pipeline or whatever. But we don't know. And honestly. A lot of these guys that we're talking about, Heimblum didn't draft. Heimblum didn't yeah. sign. There's no knock on him. But we got to give the guys before him a little bit of credit, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Tristan Casas was not a Heimblum draft pick. Nick York was. And Nick York has to prove some stuff. He's doing well in the Arizona Fall League, but he has to prove some stuff. We don't know. Um, so, yeah, the farm system's better. And, and what's interesting to me is that, like, you're – you know, your, his strategy of when he does trades, you know, he gets back five guys where Dombrowski would just say he would be the one giving up the five guys. And that is no, by any stretch of the imagination, a knock on Dombrowski. Dombrowski was awesome about identifying the right guy, saying, I want him or I'm going to trade him, and these are the right guys, right? Whereas Haim, I think, is more of, okay, like, for instance, Benintendi deal. Winkowski, Franchi Cordero, three other guys. All right. One of them's going to stick. There you go. That's mm -hmm. worth it for us. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, you know, we'll see. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, you have some it, – it's cyclical. I think that you have some pieces now where you could say, you know, Tristan Casas can come in. Brian Bayo can come in. Um, yeah, you have some pieces, but you know, we can't say, oh, listen, this is going to be – you've reached the levels of the Dodgers already. You just can't say that yet. Hope you are enjoying my conversation with Rob Bradford so far, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about Simply Safe. So the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over four million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't have to earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. And at Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know that because I use Simply Safe on my own home. I'm somebody who has lots of valuables around my house and want to make sure that not only my house, my values, but myself are as safe as possible. And Simply Safe does a great job at that. They use cutting edge security technology that's powered by 24 seven professional monitoring agents that always have your back. And here's one of the biggest reasons why I love it. They have essentially blankets on your home with protection with advanced sensors in every single room, window and door. They also have HD security cameras for inside and outside your home and also smarter ways to defect motion that only alerts you when the, when there's a threat that is real. We all know that, you know, if your dog or cat, you know, walks in front of it, it's woo -woo -woo. well, Simply Safe does a great job of making sure that it only lets you know when those threats are real and they 
are also monitoring experts that use advanced response technology to visibly confirm when a break-in is real and customize your perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and you get your first month for free. So visit simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Now let's get back to my, my conversation with Rob Bradford. That, that's the other thing that I've I've sort of put a knock on him is he, he needs to sort of expand his net. You know, he the the um, Tommy Pham, the Christian Arroyo, Rich Hill, Waka all played for the Rays, and you know you got to expand your net a little bit. You know, and and you you know we see Ronaldo Hernandez. Raise guy, you know, Yu Chang, raise guy. It, it's just expanding the net a little bit more. And um, it, it's great, you know, when he does have those gotcha sort of trades, the Pavetta ones. But it, Red Sox fans are getting, are getting a little bit um, impatient. Uh, but at the same time, I'll, I'm also one of those believers in, you know, you got to build a little bit. Uh, it takes some time to be able to build a consistent contender. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that the way that they would say is that it's just like minded thinking that these organizations are, are like-minded thinkers. I mean, some of the guys they've claimed off waivers, you look at look at the teams they've been with, and it's all the Dodgers, the Rays, the Orioles, like they're like-minded thinkers. And so right. they're looking at things very similarly. So I, you know, that, I think that that's what they would tell you. It's not just, oh, well, you know, we, we are familiar with that guy. But to your point, it's we, – we just don't know. I mean, I think he's done some good things. I think he's done some things that, you know – they haven't been so good, but I think really what's going to define him, to your point, is is this this off season, and it, and it's not only identifying the right guys, but you have this money to spend. You have to get uncomfortable when you get into free agency. That's a fact. You just yeah. do. You just have to. When you want to win in free agency, you have to go to levels which is not are the levels that you really want to go to most of the time. You have to pay more than you want it. So are you going to be willing to do that? That's what we're going to find out. And, you know, when really thinking about sort of like the big move that the Red Sox need to make during this offseason, a lot of people put the Devers extension, the bo- sign- signing bogey back. But, you know, I've heard you guys talking about on the Bradford show a lot about, you know, a Shane Bieber trade. You know, people have brought up Zach Allen as well. Uh, what do you think could be the big move for the Red Sox this offseason? I mean, I, it's hard to tell. Like, we love – I love the fake trades. It's, you know, we – and our guy Gordo did a great job with them the other day. We'll have another round of them this week. But it's as long as they're legitimate, it's, it's just good for conversation. But the thing that you – and I think one of them came up – oh, the Bieber one, which was – I think Gordo had Marcelo Meyer, Bayo, and somebody else – in a trade for Bieber. And it was basically what that is, is the Chris Sale trade all over again, right? Mm -hmm. So now I don't think that Heim Bloom will do that deal. Like, I don't know if he would have done the Chris Sale deal. I I don't think that's sort of like his modus operandi of trading the highest level, highest level of prospects that you have for a major leaguer. Because Mm -hmm. the way that they, I think he views it is those are the guys that are going to keep you, keep your payroll down and keep everything manageable going forward and potentially be the next star, even though they haven't proved it. And listen, I mean, look at the Chris Sale deal. You, you weren't going to get away with trading, uh, without trading your top prospects in that deal. Yet, as we sit here, 
you know, has Mankata and Kopek really killed him not having him? No, I mean, they haven't really established themselves as consistent major leaguers. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, that'll be an interest. Like the trade thing, we just, it's impossible to tell which way they're going to go. It really is crazy looking back back on Mankata because he was, he was supposed to be the you know the the next uh, um, Jose Abreu and uh, especially you know you could put Ruzne Castillo in the same boat. Not not Mankata is nowhere close to Castillo, um, but it, you know especially you know you know you you brought up you know building relationships with players throughout the season and also throughout your career and you know that's something that you know I've I've throughout my career I've tried to learn a lot about and um, to be able to you know also learn a learn about them off the field. And so, you know, how have you really learned how to build strong relationships and trust with players throughout your career? Uh, you know, I saw you someone about this actually yesterday, just at the gym at a lot of places. And, and it made me think a little bit, and I've been asked this question before. I think that, I think the biggest thing is that you have to go and you have to treat them like human beings. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and honestly, that's not always easy, man. If you're not around all the time, like if you get dropped into a major league clubhouse tomorrow, you don't know these guys. They don't know you. You know, you it's 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 hard. But if you can just talk to them like human beings and not feel like they have them not feel like they're every time you see them, they're gonna you're gonna ask something of them, um, and, and not think that you know you're always gonna get out to get out get them. Um, you know, I think it's this is the biggest thing. We we don't all come from the same place. We come from all mm -hmm. over. The, places in the world we all have different personalities we all have different backgrounds we all have different uh days um so that's what you have to understand and and really i think another thing if you do that if you establish a solid reputation then it it really is it, it in baseball it permeates the clubhouse right mm -hmm. i mean so in the clubhouse you maybe you saw this in worcester but a clubhouse is a unique thing. It, they're a tight knit group. They see each other more than they see their families. And there's a lot of narratives in a clubhouse, right and wrong, factual and not factual, that just live in that clubhouse are passed from player to player to player. And so if you have a good reputation, that's usually going to be passed from player to player to player. I mean, I remember early on, I was at the Eagle Tribune. It wasn't a big paper. But, you know, Kurt Schilling was sort of, you know, a, a guy who was, was I, for lack of a better term, my sponsor. And he would tell Beckett. And then so now Beckett liked me. And so now and Beckett it goes to Lester. And so, you know, and then Pedroia. And, and so it just it goes. It, and then you, you have to prove yourself every step of the way. So uh, I think the biggest thing to answer your question is the long-winded way of, of saying this is that just don't go for the big hit. Mm -hmm. Understand that human beings and just be fair, professional, and 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 be okay just to like, hey, you know what? If, if today's maybe not a great day to talk to you, that's fine. Or if you don't want to talk about this on the record, that's fine. And don't be desperate. Like, I have to do something. So, mm -hmm. you know, again, long-winded way of answering that question, but it's it's kind of a complicated one. Yeah, I completely agree. And that that's one of the biggest things with, with this being my first year doing is, you know, right when I walked in the clubhouse and I see Tristan Cassis to my right and, you know, going from a fan to a real media member and working in the industry, that was, you know, the biggest learning experience for me was taking the fan hat off and putting the reporter hat on, you know, especially I, I had the opportunity to speak with Chris Sale in front of all the other media people, you know, when he went down in Worcester and uh, 
that it was it was pretty weird to have him staring at, at me right in the eye but that's the one big thing is and remind myself he's a human being as well and that was one of the thing, funnest things you know this past season you know I, I talked to them about you know their performance and everything like that but I also tried to, you know, see some get to know you questions in there. Like what's on your bucket list? What are your favorite hobbies to do outside of, you know, baseball? And, you know, also, you know, when I see him, ask him about those things, you know, Cole Cottom, his, his brother plays, he played at Clemson in golf and now he's a pro golfer as well. So, you know, joke with him about, you know, different golfing stuff, you know, maybe if I had a bad game or something like that. So uh, that, that was definitely the funnest part was to, you know, learn about them outside of the ballpark. Yeah, it's, it, and, you know, and it doesn't always, like I said, the biggest thing is that it, when it's all, if you're, you want to be around and if you're around, don't always like ask something of them. They mm-hmm. appreciate that. Um, you, you can talk and it, not force conversation, but, you know, it, it might be something like that. Say, hey, listen, I saw this. I saw in the media guide you did this or I saw this in the story. And I just, I'm just curious about it. And a lot of times, you'll be talking to somebody and, and you just be talking and then you're like, Hey, you know what? Uh, will you mind if I like, actually like we talk about this for a story or for a podcast and I'm going to hold up my tape recorder right now. And, and you know, they'll either say yes or no, but, but without talking to them, you'll never get to that point instead of just going up to them and just shoving a microphone in their face and saying, here's my list of questions. Boom, 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 boom. Right. And it's funny because, uh, you know, I, I I sent this to you prior to this interview, but, you know, you you and I met each other around 10 or 11 oh, years yeah. ago. Uh, I brought I, the same advice back in 2011, right? Yeah. It was the, it was the <laughs> New Hampshire Fisher Cats Sportscasters Camp. Uh, it's weird looking back at that video because, you know, I'm doing the stand-ups, like, and, you know, my teeth are all over the place, and now I'm doing that for a job now. Uh, but, you know. Great, great. You were the standout of the group, man. I can remember. <laughs> You're the stand of Kevin Gray. Yeah, it was, it was Chris Ryan, I think, was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and Rajay Davis was down there, too. We got super I, lucky I, that day. Yes, Rajay Davis was there. And um, I remember that because it was, I think we were doing the exercise of, like, finding something that, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what he what Something, I want to say it was something about rafting or something like that he was talking about. But it was... It was okay. Find the interesting thing about him, right? And that's the challenge. And, and I would go into um, sometimes I go into journalism classes and do the same thing. Say, okay, you know, you bring up this person. Now your job is to find an interesting story. Ask them questions until you find the interesting story. I want to say that we did that with Rajay Davis that day. He and and but and then then he ends up with the Red Sox, and uh, great guy. Um, obviously he has this big moment, you know, which you must've been like, man, I know that guy. Yeah. The guy that yeah. just hit the home run in the world series. I know him. Yeah. I actually sent him, I actually sent him the picture from, uh, that camp and he responded to me on Instagram. So that was kind of cool. But I, the yeah, one thing that fun. I remember from that is, uh, he was talking about the differences from major league, uh, you know, amenities of having your own chef, you know, getting your own massages. And he's like, you know, down here, we just get whatever food that they give to us. I thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you, you see it in Worcester, but you're in there great down there. And, but it's like, you know, we would talk, we would have Alex Benalis on a lot and he started in Greenville, obviously went to Portland, but you know, Alex is great because he's got a good personality and we're just like, okay, now what do you get for per diem? 
And how do you spend that? <laughs> and he's like, okay, we got 30 bucks. And really what you have to do is you have to go to Zaxby's for lunch. And then after the game, we'll go to Waffle House and that'll be the 30 bucks. Boom. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Well that, you, you know, you brought up Zach Kelly before and we talked to him during uh, the lockout and he brought up how he got $500 from the A's for draft. And he's like the next day I had to pay for my rent, which is like three fifty, And then I had 150 like left over. So my friends and I just went out for drinks. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> oh, dude. Like, uh, like how about, you know, in spring training, I remember talking, I think it was to Chris Murphy who had been called up to Portland for a brief time the year before. And, and, you know, this year they got housing for the guy for the first time. He said, he's like, I lost money. Like he lost money because you know, try getting a house or a place to stay in Portland, Maine in the middle of summer out of nowhere right. and pay that rent with, with what you're getting. That to think about it, and I totally believe him. Can you imagine that? You're losing money playing baseball. So uh, yeah, it got a little bit better, but yeah, it's a little big difference. I I mean, you just brought me back to you know what we were talking about before. I remember Zach Stort. He he eventually played for the Red Sox too as well. But you know he was with the Fisher Cats, and I remember he was you know talking to my mom or something like that, and saying they got like a thousand dollars a month back then. Now, yeah, like, to me, thank God it's gotten better, like you mentioned. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's podcaster money, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I, I love those types of stories. And, you know, you, you've also gotten the opportunity to, you know, cover some great moments as well. And um, I was I was wondering, you know, what were some of those moments that, you know, sifting back in your brain uh, that really come to mind? Oh, man. Ugh. Well, you know, I got to say that, you know, a, a career highlight for me happened this past May. And that was um, – when uh, me, Ian Brown, were invited to, um, with David Ortiz, invited us to, to to tag along with him in the private tour at the Hall of Fame. So what happens is that, you know, guys are going to the Hall of Fame. They go to the Hall of Fame. In this case, it was early May. And the Hall of Fame gives them the, this private tour to say, that, look, mm-hmm. here's the exhibits. And, and they can invite a couple. So he invited us. And... And it's just, it was so cool. I mean, to, you know, I'm sitting there. What they do is they start with a video, a 50-minute video of Hall of Famers talking about it. And I thought, oh, well, he'll be way down in front. I'll be way back. I mean, I'm sitting right next to him, and I'm watching him. And and he, you could tell it was hitting hard. I mean, it was really emotional. And then he goes through, and there he is. Like, here's David Ortiz holding Babe Ruth's bat or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, so – you know, a lot of times, honestly, like you get cynical about a lot of stuff, but it's, you know, like that's you, how you cannot be cynical about that. And it, no. that is really, really cool. Um, you know, covering, having an opportunity to cover, let's see. I mean, so really, I didn't really cover the 2004 world series, um, but the seven Oh seven world series with the Herald um, 13 world series, 18 world series, to do those, and by the way, pro tip, when you do cover them, mm-hmm. when you cover celebrations, pro tip is that collect the corks of the champagne bottles. They are awesome Christmas gifts. That's so they're like, yeah, I mean, they're never going to miss them, right? It's not yeah. like stealing a bottle. I mean, but the corks are all over the place. Collect the cork. <laughs> People love it. Um, so anyway, that was 
no, that was cool. Uh, you know, writing, you know, getting a chance to write the book with uh, after Mike Lowell won the World Series MVP because he's such a unbelievable guy. Um, that was really cool. Uh, so it, you know, I, I don't man, oh man, it's it's there's too many, and 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 I I really I still enjoy I I enjoy covering baseball more than I think more than anything because there's there's a lot more access. Number one, mm-hmm. it's a long season, sure. But because of the access, you're able to like actually. There's so much to talk about. There's so many stories, whether they're personal stories or the whether they're things to pick a, a part in a game. Like that's the great thing about it. It's awesome. I, I love mm-hmm. it. I mean, I love I love it. It's it's the 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 access and all these other sports stink. You don't you're not around these guys nearly as much. Right. And yeah, so that's why I like doing it. And that's why the pandemic was tough because we were doing it on Zoom calls. That, that sucked. Yeah, I, I this was my first year having the opportunity to. I, I work for Arena Football Team full time, and I had the opportunity to travel with the team and, and like really get to know and become good friends with all the players. And when we when we lost in the in the playoffs, you know that hit hard because you know I I made strong relationships with these guys. But it was a great learning experience for me, and uh, you know that's one of the things I actually tweeted out. Funny enough, you mentioned. Uh, the celebration I tweeted out yesterday, I will be in a playoff celebration. And, you know, I, I, I just see you yeah. know, the, all, in the clubhouse, you know, all those reporters going up there and, you know, asking questions, getting champagne on there. Luckily, I don't care if my hair gets messed up as long as I'm a part of it. Yeah, part yeah. Of it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, you, you know, hey, don't wear your nice suit. You know, you yeah. know, the, you know, where you ever drill like used to like put baggies over everything he had, like his tape recorders. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's chaotic and it's like, but you know, when you're in there and and I hope, you know, I hope that comes for you sooner than later and I know it will, but um, you know, when you're in there, you have to, you know, it's also like, okay, like I got, I got to talk to these guys. I got to through this chaos. You're you're talking to guys and um, yeah. So it's again, baseball is, is, how can you not look at these playoffs? How can you not look at these celebrations and be like, "Wow, oh, this is awesome. It doesn't do with the, the cheering for the teams or anything like that. Okay. It just has to be like, like out the lo- the length of a baseball season and the investment that people have to make in them. That's what leads you to that, that, that guttural emotion that you see. Funny enough, speaking about, you know, wearing nice stuff, uh, Katie Crawl, the the developmental coach for the Sea yeah. Dogs, um, I have a good relationship with her. I was speaking her, with her about, uh, you know, them clinching the playoffs, and she's like, nobody told me that I should wear waterproof mascara. <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to rem- <laughs> have to remember that for next year. Um, nobody, see, that's one thing. Nobody told me that either, so you learn that. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. it, it, but it's I mean, cool. You see with the Padres and the Phillies, like the energy that that they're just playing with, and also you know with the celebrations last night, it's it's tough not to root for those teams. Yeah, I mean it's it's I just the base the what we're seeing now is just like how the baseball needs urgency, right? I mean this Mm -hmm. is the problem. Is it? It's not time of game, all this stuff, whatever. It's just urgency. Urgency is the one word that you have to come back to. And with the playoffs, everything's urgent from minute one. It's urgent. Everything counts. I mean, we're going through uh 18 inning game in Seattle. That was and cool. however long that was, every single minute is still urgent, even though mm-hmm. it's like, Oh my goodness. Like, here we go. Like this they 
take it a while to get going, but it, everything's urgent because it's so important. So yeah, it's that, and, and I think that, I think baseball will be better next year with all the rule changes and um and and that'll help too. But right now, it's pretty cool with the postseason. I started watching that Seattle game in the seventh and I I, I like didn't <laughs> want to get up like to get a drink or anything like that. And I was sitting there for like two or three hours and I'm like, geez, we're already in the 18th. But yeah, yeah I mean, no, that, by the way, nobody was like touching the ball. It was like, is yeah. anyone going to get up? I do hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Rob Bradford and not only got to learn a little bit from his journey, but also got to get a little bit of an inside scoop on what Heim Bloom and the Red Sox might be thinking going into the offseason and also got to hear some funny stories about some of his experience speaking with some Red Sox players. But we're going to do our best, as I've mentioned throughout this offseason so far, to bring you great content each and every single episode. We have lots of great interviews planned for the remainder, not only of this month, but for the remainder of this offseason. Uh, unfortunately, Christian, the Christian Cost interview had some technical difficulties. So we're going to be speaking with Christian for Thursday's episode. So don't worry, we're still going to be speaking with the Sea Dogs Offensive Player of the Year and also much other much more reporters prospects red sox influencers as well but if you want us to speak with anybody or talk about any topics or anything like that you can let us know over on twitter it's lo underscore red sox you can also follow myself over on twitter it's at jake iggy as well as lauren it's la 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 three laws lauren with four r's but we greatly appreciate everybody making locked on red sox their first listen of every single day now make your second listen locked on mlb paul francis Sullivan, please call him solely brings you humor passion and his unique perspective on every team in the biggest stories from around the league so fall the number one daily league-wide podcast locked on mlb on the odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcast but Hope everybody has a great rest of their day. Can't wait for the next episode, but we'll end it as we always end it. Let's go, Sacks. Peace.